0: Saturday. What day is it today? Wednesday. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm Glenn Falcon, Slammer Falcon Screen. We're going to be joined in a few moments by Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans and freelance writer and critic Virat Nehru. We have a big show planned this week. We're talking the new film, uh, or the big film of the week, Queen and Slim, which is in cinemas tomorrow, as well as Honeyland and Honeyboy, which is in cinemas now. The Alliance French, French Film Festival which kicked off last night at Sydney and tonight in other places around the country. And um, the other big film news of the week, the departure, the death of famed actor Max von Sitter at the ripe old age of 90. Uh, first up, however, we're going to do a quick update on what has been happening this past week. Last, You ended last week's show with a discussion of coronavirus, and or should I say COVID-19, and its impact more broadly on film festivals and theatrical scene shortly after we went to air. So the big film news of the week emerged in that no time to die. What we speculate about the possibility of being cancelled is actually, well cancelled or postponed has been postponed to a November release which is more in keeping with uh, what the other Bond the release windows of the other Bond films there's obviously the first very major film release to be pushed back by quite a while others may soon follow certainly MGM and related companies are depending on a huge bank for with this um other film distribution companies, Disney included, Um, you know, if they do have an issue with film distribution in this window, they have other things to fall back on. However, the big release of this season, Milan, the live action Milan, which is slated for a well, it looks like it's going here. The world premiere is occurring right about now and or would have occurred by the time this goes to air. And following that, there is going to be a, a perspective rollout around the world. And I wonder how this will fare, particularly with Um, the China market and 70,000 theatres facing prospective continued closure. Um, There's been a lot of speculation also about the Cannes Film Festival that can and will go ahead, certainly with concern around what is happening in france at the moment certainly festivals around the world have been cancelled including festivals in saudi arabia and qatar and several other markets Uh, productions have been postponed certainly mission impossible 7 which was slated to film over a few weeks in italy has been put on hold understandably given what is going on in italy and um, in addition to south by southwest which has been cancelled for the the first time, which is will have a major impact on a lot of films, including the new Kamal Nanjianji film, which Kamal Nanjianji, excuse me, which was supposed to be premiere there this week. A Cinequest in LA, the second week has been postponed on to August. And certainly if Khan is is the one of the world's, if not the world's major, festival will be the first time since the civil unrest in France in May 1968, so over 50 years. Um, certainly, this will test the cinematic market more broadly with the prospect of cinemas, um, either people wh- whether cinemas do remain open uh, in different markets, whether cinemas do close, whether people decide not to go, and certainly this will test the relevance of markets such as Cannes and film festival distribution markets when... Studios are increasingly looking at streaming services and selling, and, and might have to in the next wind, uh, foreseeable future look at selling films outside of that typical distribution venue. Um, on the ma- more broad matter of COVID-19 and coronavirus, uh, we do encourage you to um, the news. Two has had amazing coverage on this front, and the government obviously releasing up-to-date advice. So that is something to keep abreast of and and be aware of. Um, the other big film is was more of the week past was the Caesar Awards where quite um, controversially uh, Roman Polanski won Best Director for J'Accuse and Adele Hanel uh, from the, the lady in Portrait of the Lady on Fire um, exited the ceremony amidst a lot of protest uh, at the awards in France and more broadly about Polanski's plaudits now this is something we are keen to discuss however we look to defer this discussion more broadly until we know when and if we will be able to see J'Accuse Certainly, we do not know if that film will be getting a local release um, or if in the foreseeable future. The other big film news of the day is the departure of famed performer Max von Sitter at the ripe old age of 90. Uh, certainly, in modern day, he has been best known for his roles as the Three Eyed Raven on Game of Thrones and in uh, the much touted. Uh, first scene of stuff Star- force awakens Star Wars it's, but he has oh a- man,
1: is that really what we're
0: going to be remembering Max No, no it's not. Before. We're noting it. We're moving on to his uh, as Chris, I think even though he's better, than, he's better than me, he's much greater accomplishments. I
1: just think of him as the arrogant guy in Bergman movies. <laughs> um the knight. He will forever be the knight in the seventh seal, I think. Yeah. Um uh, the, you know, young arrogant guy in Shame, pretty sure he was a young, arrogant guy in, um, what's it called? Uh, Flash Wild, Gordon. We no, wasn't well, young then. Right. But Wild Strawberries. Bergman just really captured this brash arrogance about him that I think part of what made him such a great showman and really capitalized on it. I also really, really love his performance in Hannah and Her Sisters as Frederick, the old frustrated intellectual. Um, Not underrated Alan film. Even as as well, appre-
0: widely appreciated as it is. Yeah. Um, He was a great actor, he had a good innings And certainly, I mentioned earlier, Flash Gordon My favourite performance, however, (laughs) is um, his performance, Minority Report I don't want to discuss too broadly his role Because I feel it would constitute spoilers But in an archetype we've seen played out over many films Prior to Denouncing 2 and following that uh, I think in that, even with the early performance of Colin Farrell Tom Cruise, several other talented stars He gave far and above the best turn in possibly Spielberg's most underrated
1: film it's a great Spielberg film. But um, yeah, von Sydow, I think he, he had a massive gravitas. As I said before, he had that that kind of showmanship, which could be construed or could be used as arrogance. And I think he, he gave those kind of real ste- uh, scene commanding roles yes. all throughout his career. And, so and he had such an amazing voice, too, I think. If we're going to do an appreciation of even a, a tossed-off, rushed, a last-minute one like this, we need to
0: say that guy had a booming, <laughs> commanding voice. One of the things that, while it is was a brief role and certainly not one of the things you should most be remembered for, one of the things that really set the tone for the new trilogy in Star Wars was his reading of "I knew." What's the effect of "I knew who you once were, Kylo Ren"? I knew who you were then, and that sort of set the temper for um, what probably the most interesting character arc in Star Wars.
1: But More. Max wants, to know. <laughs> he I, did, think, no, like, he did,
0: I know he did other things, but this is okay. perhaps what it will be immediately beautiful okay. by a lot of modern audiences. He certainly, he's Pro- he's probably by by people
1: who who don't know film history <laughs> will be like, yes, I remember the guy who who was killed immediately
0: after he told Kylo Ren he wasn't a cool guy. Anyway, so. Uh, please do seek Howdy's broader filmography. Uh, the other film news locally of the week is at the Allianz Francais Film Festival. The 31st edition kicked off last night in Sydney. is kicking off tonight around the country and runs till April 12th in New South Wales. Um, Les Mis is one of the big ticket items. Zombie Child, which we caught at the Fantastic Film Festival, was also screening. The extraordinary of Vincent Cassell from, from the makers of The Untouchables will be having its premiere and opening the festival. Um, La Belle Epoque, a charming film about... What you could, what would happen if you could had the possibility to travel through time and visit different eras? Um, there's a Celine Dion road trip movie. Um, there's a wonderful looking film called My Dog Stupid about a giant Neapolitan Mastiff. And the one I'm most looking forward to, which is The Translators, where a bunch of translators are given a Da Vinci Code, Knives Out type novel, put in the bunker, and a mystery. Crime ensues. I'm looking forward to catching that over the coming weeks. But for the moment, we are talking about the big film release of this week, which is Queen and Slim, the new film from Melina Mitsukas, um who, among a number of other projects, directed the formation video for Beyonce starring Get Outs, Daniel Kalua and Jody Turner Smith. It is about two people in Cleveland, Ohio, who meet on a Tinder date. On driving home, a cop pulls them over, a violent altercation ensues, causing them to go on the run. I'm in part for their perception that they, two African Americans, if they were to be apprehended, might not survive following the altercation with the white police officer.
1: I wonder if Melina Matsukas's background as a music video director is why she's landed so many. Uh, Musicians to be in this film. The cop you're talking about is played by the country and rock musician Sturgill Simpson. We've got Flea turning up in a bit later on. It was a good. Um, it was a good. fun for
0: him. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't make the connection earlier. Right. It, was, there's a lot of astute casting here of non-traditional the ca-
1: actors. That's, the casting's great. The film is great,
0: actually. Film's great. Actually, so the film's two films leads really, are great. Yeah. It's one of my possibly my top three of the year so far. Yeah.
1: Um, it is a, a twist. On the Bonnie and Clyde and uh, other outlaw film kind of tradition, there's some direct images there. We were talking about this after the screening.
0: Easy Rider, um, I think overly but more subtly Butch Cassidy, the Sundance Kid, in that you'll see the plaintive overhead shots reminiscent of Easy Rider where they're driving through the countryside. Bonnie and Clyde, most uh patently however there's i think you could argue and i would argue much more moral ambiguity in this this character's these characters journey and as for butch casting sundance kid it's very much about two characters who want to. Uh, in butch sundance's case it was australia here they're trying to get to miami to take a uh, to get away out of the united states and um on the way they encounter romance and sub sub journeys and um Episodes.
1: It's really um, visually beautiful and sort of stylized, as you might expect from a music video director, but not overly so. Um, There's really picturesque locations. Um, There's a scene in in a speakeasy, which is just sort of
0: all neon and rumbling bass, which has massive atmosphere. Um, That was one of my favorite scenes, along with um, a a more comical sequence involving a horse.
1: Right. Look, the, the...
0: Okay, the characterization is actually really well
1: handled. The uh, romance emerging from th- these characters is sort of inevitable in a foregone conclusion with this, this kind of story. Um, but it doesn't feel grown-worthy when that comes about. There's enough time invested into the subtleties of the characters, and the performances are strong enough between Queen and Slim that you believe in this dynamic gradually developing. Um, yeah. It's. I think the film, in general, is, and up to a point, is quite well paced. It goes by; it's quite very entertaining, goes by quickly. But
0: then all of a sudden, we reach a point where um, things start to drag. Yes. Um, first, to the point of the characters, it essentially revolves around the two of them. In the opening sequence, they're very well established. The whole film is set around the idea of legacy, and where one character who's a legal advocate sees it very much as outgoing and impactful broad society, the other is more insular, and it's very much the impact on themselves and their family, and this comes to a fore and a head later on in the film. On the matter of the pacing, this was two hours and 12 minutes. It could have been an hour 50. I feel there's one particular sequence, Chris and I were discussing following the film, Oh, man. That yep. should not. Ha- that could have been excised and had just the greater impact.
1: The the film, I think, in some ways, it's got a bit of the feeling of here's the Hollywood take on a broad uh, social issue that's in the Zeitgeist. Um, that I was kind of dreading this film going into it for that reason because I thought it would be incredibly broad and obvious, and it manages to bring enough subtlety. Um, which we'll get into in a moment. That most of the time it doesn't feel that like that, but there's one moment
0: where it steps over the line towards the end. I'd, I'd, I'd characterize it more as a what well, as, as a sub story, a subplot within the film. I mean, the, the, I appreciated the subtlety. Um, littered throughout, certainly the director and those involved are very aware of the cultural context in which they're working and don't want to, and I think this st- sub-storyline is very much meant to emphasise that they don't agree entirely with the moral trajectory of these characters and they're not endorsing or at it, least trying to propound civil unrest or yeah, do want to be perceived it, as doing it's so. It's meant
1: to complicate this, um, but it does so in a way that just steps outside of the believability of the character's um, and the scenarios that the film has worked with so far, it just it goes into territory that feels a little bit dumb in how broad it is. Give, yeah, given what we've been working with, but outside of that, something Glenn noted when we came out that I agree with is all of the encounters with the police in this film were believable. It was never just here is the dumb racist cop. You know, um, the, the way things build up is. Uh, There's always a progression of tension in all of the encounters in this film.
0: Um, All of it is stuff that you could believe would happen or that probably have happened. There were many shades of police officers uh, represented by people of many different backgrounds my favorite encounter was actually early in the film involving a very kindly police officer who they met by incidents in a pickup truck Um, however just on the matter of the internal logic of the film they make it very clear at the beginning that these are two incredibly straight narrow downline, straight laced people and there's nothing that happens whether it be the interactions with the cops or what they do to evade them which I do not believe could happen logically in the circumstance of such characters there's no with the exception of this episode which didn't all the two main figures, there's no drastic or even really serious leap in logic, and I appreciated that.
1: I agree with that. I do think towards the end, maybe it's just the cut 20 minutes thing we were talking about earlier that the, the film's starting to drag, but I think um, outside of the, the resolution, which is fantastic, I think towards the end, as things start to get a little bit more conventional in terms of... Um, the character dynamic and the scenarios we're watching, I think it loses a little bit of the charge that it has for the first hour or 90 minutes or so. Um, maybe it, maybe it's just becoming too straight down the line of film for something that started off balancing a lot of different kind of edges and like the characters being edgy with each other, um, the the tension of their romance versus the the place where um, they're starting at odds with each other. More complications in terms of how they're going to find a way out. It it does sort of start to funnel into a more straight down the line. Yeah, the, the romance approach. is
0: believable. You could map out uh, on a board, and it's further suggested by the, the film is very aware of its cinematic and also easy rider. Bonnie and Clyde and Butch Cassidy, all of which end in not similar ways. And the narrative of the film suggests several particular outcomes. And you wonder, is it one of this, one of that? However, the way they manage it, they subvert expectations to a great extent. I was surprised. I did appreciate the conclusion. I'm not going to go into it, I'm not going to spoil it, but it was one of the standout moments, essentially the very conclusion of the film.
1: I did like the very conclusion. I do like the way that this film tries to build expectations and subvert them, but At the same time, um, regardless of the outcome, I think you're kind of playing with fire when you try to play with cliches too much because as we get to that conclusion, this is the losing the charge that I was talking about before. I think it starts to become a case of this is feeling too close to those cliches. You know, ultimately, they might be subverted, but you're still going through the the trajectory of hewing very close to conventional territory when we started off in a
0: more kind of rocky, edgy place. But the ending... The, the, the very in memory great. is distinct enough it's great it's, it's worth and seeing. there's
1: some beautiful use of imagery and you know the just uh, this is a director who's really thinking about the power of images and in in a um, it not just in terms of crafting the narrative but on a narrative level as well like the idea of the power of an image is uh, um, in and the effect images have on people ends up being very central to what this film is trying to say
0: on that and my final note from the film one of the main criticisms I've seen and I was I, w- I was surprised by this is that people have criticized the easy rider type shots of the camera linging over the landscapes as they drive along I really liked these there's only one mode in the film where accepting a character saying oh you're now here where we see a sign signaling where we are it's very much a way to situate ourselves on the journey. it's a very clear roadmap and you do need I think some it does help to have some basic US geography um, I am fortunate in that I can I've spent a lot of time in the southern United States I can tell the difference between Georgia and Tennessee I I appreciate um, a lot of people don't necessarily would, but the, the shots and the landscapes and the geography and the environment, and the nature, are distinct enough that we have we have a real sense of we're on a road trip, we're moving between places. So those scenes, which seem to be some more heavily criticised, um, I generally liked. And as Chris said, they're shot beautifully. Some of the images are they're gorgeous, and I really appreciated that. That was Queen and Slim. It is in cinemas from tomorrow. Next up and welcome back uh, from overseas. We're glad to have you back in town. Freelance, writer and critic, Virat Nehru. Yay. Hello. Welcome, welcome back, guys. Yeah. I mean, welcome back to me, actually. Yes, welcome welcome back to back. You. No, no, We're welcoming you. You've been away. <laughs> just just some so F- to have the gang back
1: together. We, we're, we all have uh, a condensed schedule to record today, which is why, and we two of us were running late, which is why it's been the revolving, and here's this guy. And, and we're joined by the other guy. <laughs> so uh, well, we, we, I'm,
2: I'm really glad but, to be alive because of such situ- a world
1: situation. Man, and I wouldn't want to be trapped in India for, for much longer. Honestly, I was like, there.
2: good when, timing to leave. Actually, yeah, because I was there in Delhi when the riots were happening, and boy.
0: Anyway, that's <laughs> yeah, a yeah, We're, we're, we're going to be continuing on the podcast, a <laughs> yeah. broader discussion about world events, specifically the coronavirus, COVID-19. But first up, we have, on a very different note, a strange slowdown That will slow down India as well, probably, man. <laughs> imagine being trapped.
2: Nah, <laughs> okay. India has pretty bad hygiene standards anyway, so... I don't think it makes a difference.
0: We'll see. Again, we are film critics, so we are not health experts. We defer to the other news coverage on the network on this But it's, it's, a, the good, it's a good segue front.
2: to our next film that we're talking about.
0: I, I believe it, which is uh, the first of our double of Honeyland and Honey Boy. Different films, both in cinemas now. Yes. Uh, just to confuse people. You know, I was at
1: the Ritz the other day and it was like upstairs, Cinema 5, Honeyland. <laughs> Sorry, Honey Boy Cinema 6,
0: Honeyland. Remember when a simple man and a single man were out at the same yeah, time? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, why? why do people do this? Just distributors. Just, just look at what it, other people are doing. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, no,
1: um, I keep, don't keep, begrudge keep, you.
2: Keep your men simple or single. Don't right. confuse them.
1: <laughs> I don't. I don't <laughs> begrudge them for putting out the, both of these uh, good films out, even though the names are confusing. So yeah, to start, I
2: mean, let's start with Honeyland. Honeyland, yeah. 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 That was that was my favorite doco last year. Actually, I was really rooting for it to win uh, the Academy Awards. It's, it's actually, you know, it talks about a lot of issues around climate change, biodiversity, but not in an issue way.
1: In a su- Yeah, I think it's subtle enough that if you're not someone who's clued in and who's thinking about these things, you could almost miss that the film is talking about these yeah, things. Yeah, it's,
2: it's a very kind of Herzog kind of style, right? You know, where it is more about the narrative and it's less more about, about the, the, the issue.
1: It's more about the people and the issues emerge organically. Um, and, and, and I'm genuinely asking, because I, I
0: don't actually know what it's about. What is the movie about? Okay, so it's oh, a, yeah.
1: about an old woman called Hetizda who lives in this mountainous region in Macedonia um, who walks through these beautiful beautiful landscapes at the beginning of the film, climbs along this narrow edge of a cliff face and uh, produces from behind a rock on a cliff um, honeycomb and amazing honey, apparently.
2: She's basically a beekeeper and to sustain her lifestyle. She's living in a very secluded village, but basically her only source of income is she has to walk at least four miles to the city to sell her honey. And she's very happy to do that because she's living with a sort of ancestral way that the only way you can sustain yourself is by giving back. And she has this kind of but almost she never talks about this in the yeah, film. You yeah. see
1: it emerge organically from watching the way that she conducts herself. Yeah, and, and, and she's
2: she, almost having a conversation with the bees where she's like, you know, some for me and some for you. Kind that, of thing. That's right. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> she, she's all, she makes sure to only harvest enough that she's not going to do any damage yeah. and she tries to maintain the order. And, and, she's and, and
2: the best part about this doco was there was no talking heads kind of style. No it talking is, heads
1: and no voiceover. No voiceover. Um, so
2: actually, this is a very undocko-docko. It's very, very much like Kirsten Johnson camera person in that sense you I know? still haven't seen that uh, I to,
1: I've heard it's amazing so anyway I'm getting off traffic <laughs> um, the, 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 the thing about as Farad's saying it gradually um, reveals details of the characters and and the, the place they inhabit as opposed to serving up um, morals or lessons at you Yeah, and um,
2: the tension that emerges actually is also very organic that's right when, when so the ba- a, sorry go I, was,
1: ahead. I was going to say that, that the first half is um, or thereabouts is just showing you the contours of Hattista's life. So she's looking after her ailing mother, who ha- who is eighty five years old, um, partially blind. Par- almost. Yeah, yeah, partially blind. Um, it's actually quite harrowing to watch. I would yeah. say just just a, it's a really raw and confronting. But look it's at something aging about the
2: style where where you know even though it's showing you quite a depressing state of humanity, in that sense, you still kind of. Feel there's a certain warmth to it. Yeah, you know, it, that's right. But the, the na- natural imagery and the bees and stuff—almost they're like they're looking after you. Yeah, as but, much as you're looking after them.
1: But um, Hatista. <laughs> something I want to point out is she's, a, she's quite unsatisfied with her life in some ways. Like yeah. she, she, it, the movie isn't just romanticizing her and saying, Oh, look at how wonderful it is that this woman's in touch with oh, nature. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, no, it's, it's not nostalgic she, about Lena. Let's yeah.
2: go back to the old ways kind of thing. Yeah. She's, yeah.
1: she's, she, she wonders if, if this is the way that she wanted her life to be, you know, being old and alone in this village with not many people looking after her mother. Um, But we see, it, it's a film that draws you in because as Brett says, it's, a really down-to-earth style. It shows you her her trip on the train and what it's like to go to market and sell her wares and go back and do it all again. I mean, I've never been to Macedonia. I've
2: never been to North Macedonia or that region, but I felt after watching this taco that I really got to know the place.
1: Yeah, Um, but yeah, as Virat was saying, there's this conflict that emerges quite organically. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah,
2: so a nomadic family sort of uh, with a trailer and everything kind of, comes up and become neighbours with Atista, and they have a completely different view on what life should be like. Yeah. And, w- and w- she tries to teach them uh, her ways, you know, about what she's been told, and tries to guide them about how to start a bee colony and beekeeping. And this family is like, oh, you know... We, we know better. We know better. But also, it's, it's not but talking it down, because there's a beautiful relationship that forms with their kids, because they have seven kids, and they often now start playing with Titista and like you know they interrupt her daily routines it's the kind of rhythm that was set in the first half is deliberately interrupted in the second half by this family that comes in
1: yeah and the father um we see is such a okay these are really raw rough country people you know mm-hmm. they they don't show much regard for their livestock um we, we there are a lot of scenes in this film of where they accidentally injure themselves or others um, it, it's such a contrast with the philosophy of harmony with nature but, but that we established with like, it's though. an
2: interesting thing to compare this taco to American Factory that won.
1: Which one, yeah. Which is
2: also a similar kind of take on conflicting ideologies coming together and clashing and two different lifestyles actually than playing out who's going to win based on my ideology is correct or not. Yeah. And this is actually because when the other nomadic family comes in even though you're right they're raw and they're kind of country people you never get a sense that they're actually the villains. That's right. You they, know, they, they, they're not drawn with broad strokes. They yeah, actually not, get to see as real people.
1: They're not bad people. They just are trying something that they don't have the probably generations of passed down knowledge that yeah, H- and, and is this working on. They, and they have a degree of like arrogance. but
2: It's closer to like Ken Loach in that sense, but it's making a point where consumerism has become such a part and parcel of survival that you yeah, can't avoid it. And, and, and
1: ex- exploitation of the natural <laughs> world. Yeah, so yeah.
2: there's so much in this film that you can take away without it being like rubbing in your nose or actually trying to tell you this is what the film is about, and that's what I really enjoyed. Yeah, and, it's, a, and really beautifully shot. I that's mean, let's, right; let's, it's let's gorgeous. Actually, I, <laughs> that's I, the first I, thing we should point out. It's actually beautiful to look at.
1: Yeah, the, I really, really appreciate how it allows this story to develop organically and how it has so much patience. And yeah. it's fascinating in the details. Like, the the, the building of the, this radio, as the film goes yes, on, yeah. there's more and more radio reception that Hattista can yeah. pick up in the remote I mean, village building this antenna.
2: Apparently, the film crew spent at least three years with Hattista. I and believe that. Four, uh, there's 400 hours of footage that were right. shot. So there's a lot of footage, and it's, it's it such shows, a, it shows.
1: It's such an amazing subject, and you, you can tell that they spent that much time filming because the way Hatista and her mother and the other family are both really just natural with the camera yeah. they're not uncomfortable with it and i'm sure these are people who aren't used to being filmed on a day-to-day basis exactly
2: i mean and if you're actually one of those people who doesn't like to go to see documentaries because they're documentaries this is actually a good one to kind of break the mold because it doesn't feel like a documentary at all yeah it's so, more like a fiction narrative short in like you know what realistic way
1: yeah um i agree I feel it, it's telling a story well
2: yeah exactly you know and you Sort of blur the distinction between what a documentary and a feature is in that sense.
1: So we're running out of time in this episode, but so it looks like we'll be g- um, pushing onto the podcast to talk about Honey
0: Lands and Cinemas Now.
1: It is Honey Lands and Cinemas Now, as is Honey Boy, which we'll get on to talking about. Um Honey Boy Actual Cannibal
2: Shia Buff?
1: Yes, it's actual cannibal, the just <laughs> do it guy. It. Um <laughs> <laughs> whatever whatever Shia LaBeouf Buff. I'm not famous anymore. Spoilers,
0: yeah. he's damn good. Yeah, Transformers <laughs> 3 came on TV the other night, and I'm like, God, I just want to see a Better Shia LaBeouf film.
1: Yeah, so here here is that better Shia LaBeouf film. Um, the hot take, really hot take. The backstory behind this film is really interesting. It the first version of this script was something that as is sort of um the story. This story is told within the film, but the fir- yeah. the first draft of this s- he wrote script, in
2: in re- rehab. Yeah, right?
1: because he was asked to write about um, his trauma from his childhood after getting into a drunken fight with police and a car crash, um, and he chose to write a script because he has lived so long in the world of film that that's what (laughs) comes naturally to him. Um, And he showed this to his friend Alma Harrell, who is a documentary filmmaker, and she decided she wanted to make this into an actual film. And so she developed it with him and introduced elements which are about the present-day Shia LaBeouf and which are sort of explaining this context of being asked to write after checking into rehab. I think those elements that she has asked him to introduce into the film... Aren't as successful as the core dynamic, which was yeah, the basis no. of his original script.
2: Actually, yeah. I mean, if this film was was actually what the story was meant to be, even then, I think it would be even stronger. It would be stronger because what that extra element does is makes the film try to be more clever than it is, and then it, it needs to be actually because yeah. it doesn't need that.
1: I think it introduces a meta element that's a little bit more distracting. That whereas um, it might have been more interesting to just tie, have it completely focused in on the boy and, and the and the father. Um, we'll I'll get into that boy and the father yeah. dynamic um, but
2: but yes I mean first of all blown away by the fact that A. Shia LaBeouf can write so well and yeah. B. that he's actually the main pivot in this film and he is really really damn good
1: he's I'm a, gonna he's say a, it's the he's heir apparent a in actor. a cage
2: he is the heir apparent in a cage he can give
1: great performances like that and he has that kind of madness to him
0: So that is Honey Boy, Witch and Cinemas Now. We're going to be continuing on the podcast talking about it as we will be talking about the impact of COVID-19, the coronavirus on uh, the world of film and festivals. Honey Land is in cinemas now. Queen Slim is in cinemas tomorrow. The Alliance Francais Film Festival is screening all about town. Tune in next week. We're going to be talking about A Quiet Place 2. Big turnover, very short turnover between those two films. Fresh off the embargo lifting on Wednesday morning. Um, stay tuned for The Sonic Assassin and subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. And in the coming weeks, let us know what you want us to fight about. We're talking about some of the mainstream releases. Certainly festival season is coming up. But if you've got to fight for us, let us know.
1: Yeah, we've got to get that social media going. Yeah, then it'll do. be much easier for you guys to let us know. Exactly, let us I, know
2: with a page. How about we and drop
0: a comment? How about we try and get that done for next? Can we do that? We can. We Let's can. do it. But, all right, um, I'm saying do, it to make us do it. But do stay tuned with Sonic Sad. This has been Glenn Fowles and Chris Evans. Right Have a wonderful night. Enjoy movie. Stay safe. Have good night. Bye. Welcome back to a much more regularly paced uh, yeah. film Fight Club podcast. podcast ex- what are you, what are you talking time. about? This is exactly how we end
2: all our shows. You know. Yeah,
0: like, like a 40s presenter. Right. Like, like his Girl Friday. <laughs> right, My Girl right. Friday? His Girl Friday? His Girl Friday. His Girl Friday. <laughs> we, Friday. We, 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 nev- we never talk about, you know, pre 50s movies, even pre 60s movies. We we should, that, that should Why don't we should do a a the movie of, episode, of the week, His yeah. Girl
1: Friday, if we don't have something extra to fill up next to. week?
0: Or oh, we could do uh, Bringing Up Baby if we talk about Cary Grant. Love and, and, and they're, oh, both, like, they're, they're could, both
1: Howard Hawks directed, I think. Yeah, he did
0: Arsenal Gold Lace. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah, one of the throwback episodes could be a. Pre-50s. A Howard Hawks episode would be great. Like, Rio
0: Bravo bringing out Baby. Oh, yeah. that would be... That'd be so His much Girl fun. Just yeah. Just, just Scarface, the original? <laughs> uh, we'll report as if it's, you know, 1930... When was Scarface? 30, 31? 30... Oh, f- I'm not sure. You know, I actually haven't seen the original Scarface. I need to Neither watch of it. Neither have I. That's
1: why I threw that into the conversation.
0: I I, I, okay, I'm good. prepared to watch it for, for this.
1: So, shall we roll back onto it Honey, Honey Boy? Honey Boy? Yeah. Honey yeah. Boy. It was now. I should... Okay, so... I, to expand on what I was saying before about the meta element, the reason why I found it a little bit distracting is um, I don't think the scenes showing this Lucas Hedges as this Shia LaBeouf stand-in Otis um, in <laughs> rehab are as effective or as raw or as well-drawn as the scenes showing his relationship with his father as a child.
2: I mean, because those are the scenes that you exactly know that they become perfunctory because they're so functional as a plot device, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, you can literally see through it, and that kind of breaks the artifice yeah of, I, and you can see it's I agree a screenplay in function yeah thing, that's you know? exactly right And it becomes that kind of a thing
1: i think i think it's a combination of i mean I, I can only speculate here but it's maybe a combination of shia labeouf not being so experienced as a writer and these scenes having been yeah something retro, he was retrospective yeah something put he in. was ordered to write by the director yeah. essentially but, um, but
2: even then i i, I guess because the, the even the mood and the experience and the feeling of those scenes that are with Shia LaBeouf, I mean, the father and the son scenes mm. are so different in pacing and actually their kind of composition... That's right, yeah. ...that it feels like it's from a different film.
1: That's right. right? But before we go into those, there was one more thing I wanted to say about the, these present-day framing devices. Um, it's interesting how there's, there's how autobiographical this is. Like, I, I don't know understand why they even bothered to call the kid Otis. They, I feel yeah. like they should have just called him Shia LaBeouf. Um, and that, that would be fine. I mean, yeah, actually, because...
2: Because at no point actually do I feel like, even though this is a story about Shia LaBeouf, that he's inserting himself into the story.
1: No, it feels really roly autobiographical. Yeah. Um But they, there's some choices that just make it like, dude, it's so obvious this is Shia LaBeouf. A few things. Okay. At the beginning of the film, um, the first thing we hear Otis say is "No, no, 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 no!" in a recreation of obviously a Transformers scene. Yeah. Um, for the, for people who are unaware, aware, Shia LaBeouf um is known or to the extent that there are a bunch of YouTube compilations for always saying in his action or thriller movies or roles or whatever, always saying, no, 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 no. So I think it was a bit too much of a wink to the camera to open with this character saying that. Like, if there's any doubts, guys, it's Shia LaBeouf.
0: It's also, not. it sounds like that moment in, oh God, Bohemian Rhapsody where Mike Myers says, kids will never listen to Bohemian Rhapsody in their car. It's never going to happen. Right, right. It's a, but, it, yeah, but, but it's actually, too knowing a wink.
1: Yeah, like it, if you're, if you're in on the joke, it's like yeah. a ha ha Shia LaBeouf. He's saying no, 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 no. Lucas Hedges just, is really the, doing the a film, Shia LaBeouf voice, too.
2: And, it, it, and it's bad because the film is better than that. Like, most of the film is better than that.
1: Yeah. Um, just a, a little bit further, another thing Shia LaBeouf's known for, he's he's often called out on the internet as a casual fashion guide. People think <laughs> think that he has this, like, simple masculine style that doesn't look like he's ever trying too hard. And watching this, so I've I've seen. I mean, he practically
2: looked like a boho on the Hollywood. He he always does table Yeah, and Tom Hanks was so supportive of that fashion style.
1: Right, (laughs) but yeah, watching watching this stuff, um, I. You know, because I've seen those, those compilations, and I st- I was like, okay, what's he? You know, I, st- I studied his style. I wanted to steal his looks. Now I all didn't dress actually like Shia LaBeouf
0: right now. Right, <laughs> right. wondering but, how we look. But yeah, watching it, I was I was oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm, 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 we're all Sam Witwicky here.
1: Right, but yeah, watching it, I was thinking, he, I know that Shia LaBeouf owns those boots because I've seen those Shia LaBeouf fashion god th- threads. I know that Shia LaBeouf owns that hoodie. Like they've literally dressed Lucas Hedges in Shia LaBeouf's clothes. When you're going that far, why not just call him Shia LaBeouf? Like, why, why even pretend that this isn't any that this is anything but a straight autobiography?
2: I, I could have seen Shia LaBeouf play like present day Shia LaBeouf
1: and the role of the father. That would be that would be strange and interesting, wouldn't <laughs> it? So, and he could pull it off. When I when I first heard about this film, I thought, okay, here comes another weird Shia LaBeouf performance. art piece, um, and it's yeah. going to be a strange gimmick. And I know about those. I queued in line all night to to speak to Shia LaBeouf at the Sydney Opera House in 2016. But, uh, but Shia
2: LaBeouf is not James Franco, so this is not that.
1: No, it's not that. It turns out that this is it's incredibly not. sincere and raw, so we should get into the main dynamic of the film. So it's Shia LaBeouf as a... Well, it's Jupe... Oh, what's his name? The, the kid who plays... Yeah, Noah. Noah, Noah Jupe. Noah Jupe. Yeah. Right. He plays... Otis uh, as a child Otis as a child and yep. Shia LaBeouf plays a character obviously based on Shia LaBeouf's father
2: yes and uh, so Shia LaBeouf's father is, uh, so Otis as a child is a trying to be a child actor and Shia LaBeouf as the father figure in this case is a recovering alcoholic slash abusive heroin parent addict as well. heroin addict slash abusive parent basically yeah. like everything that could be wrong in kind of a you know telltale make a list and he has all the issues basically you shouldn't be a parent and you just happen to be one
1: but yeah but what makes the dynamic really difficult is that otis wants a father um and his father isn't quite willing or able to give him the parental support that he needs and he is also because of this anger at his own uh childhood um is prone to F- splat f- I mean, unpredictable flashes of anger. Er-
2: everything is so cyclical in this movie, right? Right, where, right, right. But, like, the issues uh, of older Shia LaBeouf, a.k.a. Lucas Hedges, and this Mira, film can be traced back to his childhood. And the father and, and is the issues, revealed. The father, and, you know, and the father figure, and he's revealed that the, that issues can be traced back to his childhood. That's right. So, so it's so like what, violence is passed down yes. generation
1: to generation to generation. But almost, in what's sense. interesting about that is the idea of Shia playing his father here. When we all heard about the film, I assume we all thought this this sounds like some weird gimmick. But I think in this context, it it's... A sincere attempt to understand his father and to come to grips with this idea of a cycle being perpetuated. You know, it's Shia saying, saying like, "I could be yeah. my father." I'm trying to understand where he came from uh, and, and why it, he and treated it's, me it's, the way it's, he did.
2: It's not violent in those cliche ways where you kind of show this classic. Uh, I mean, yes, there is a difference in power dynamic between the adult and the child. But it's not violent in the way that you know you usually shown. You know, no, it's, beating a child. It's not over sensationalized. It's, it's more psychological abuse over time. Yeah, that's which right. Which is more real. Yeah, and actually more scary because of that. It's, it's not. It's not violent in a physical yeah, way. Yeah,
1: it's it's mostly not a, a guy hitting around his son. It, it's sort yeah. of things like the abuse of a son's trust, like saying I'll do this one thing, then doing another. Then later on yeah. saying, I would never lie to you. Exactly.
2: It shows that, that emotional scarring which which happens with the film. And Actually, it's also a very interesting way of showing um, male-to-male abuse, which yeah. which, which we almost never get to see on screen in that sense. Hmm. We get to see a lot more violent, physical male-to-male abuse. That's usually what is a stand-in in cinema when we get to see those kind of relationships play out. It's yeah. like men acting out, out of violence and anger and they're getting physical with other men, but it's I- never actually emotional in that sense
1: i could feel that this came from a real place and that these are real memories um in how as i was saying before not sensationalized it is um i really appreciate how um again like the other honey movie uh it 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 lets the this story develop organically and the characters breathe um
2: but also you, you could see and this is something that you'd never get to realize uh you know because you never get to see these kind of portrayals on screen as to what kind of an impact that kind of emotional scarring and that emotional betrayal of trust mm. does to a young child? Yeah, because, in the long term. Uh, not only in that sense, because you get to see how young Otis develops these trust issues later on, and mm. how that you know compounds his behavior patterns mm. without him being realizing that he's actually developed those these habits when he was young. Yeah, you know, and without his even dad realizing that he's doing anything wrong, because technically he's not. It's a, it's a bad, bad parent in a stereotypical way. He's just, well, yeah, emotionally unavailable. Yeah, it's slash like, well, sometimes abusive. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Often I'm, abusive. I'm not fit to be a father. Which a lot of people.
1: He's a self-loathing guy. Yeah. Um, but what what makes the dynamic between them really fraught is that Otis slash Shia LaBeouf is paying his father to chaperone him and be his sort of, I guess, drama coach, so that the professional and the family levels are. Um, blurred beyond distinction, and I think the feeling like he can't be a good father, he attempts to d- the um, father attempts to double down on the professional and and subvert yeah. the emotion. Um, I think yeah, the film it's really trying to work towards this place of forgiveness, but I I don't I think the major failing of the film for me was that the ending kind of comes about abruptly. I I think it feels like Shia the the person is working towards a resolution that maybe isn't there in this story and is trying to make it work in the narrative. It's I, still a very I, I, sp- very actually, nice resolution, I, but, but, but actually, for me it was like, a bit too much. In that sense,
2: look, and it's difficult. I see that if this script was actually indeed written as a therapy byproduct, yeah. then I could actually see at what point of his therapy rehab he was when he finished his story because you can yeah. you you almost see that oh he still has this far to go yeah, yeah you know yeah. and he's not quite there yet and he's just trying to rush it yeah because it's, it's a tie up it's a neat tie in yeah rather than an organic end to the story because emotionally he's not reached there yet I know but th- he needs to bring the story to the end because that's what the film needs that's not what where is right now I wondered that
1: too yeah <laughs> But there's still more to, more to this story, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah. This, the, the story of Shia LaBeouf's life he, is ongoing. He's incredibly talented, clearly, as a writer as well as as an actor. I
2: mean, just to put so much of his, uh, you know, that emotional honesty on the page, it's damn difficult. And I can't imagine how difficult that must be to be honest with your own emotions Yeah. while you're trying to recount that, you know, and try to make art out of it. Because often you use some kind of a crutch to kind of glorify things yeah. or try to sort of, you know, present a neat picture, but this is this is messy. It is in messy. A, in a good way.
1: I <laughs> wonder to what extent this is going to lead to people forgiving him in Hollywood for, you know, being a difficult actor, for being known for going off the rails.
0: I mean, we'll see. Well,
2: does it matter if he's actually good on screen?
0: Uh, well, he's, he's, <laughs> got, he's got another film coming up, The Tax Collector Lady, which looks uh, like a standard action drama. Right. well, he was... Because like,
2: we, we have a lot of these front-of-the-mill actors who are thorough professionals, I get it, you know, and yeah. they do things on time, and they're very methodical, and they get their shoots wrapped up on time, but they're bad actors. Right. Like, I wouldn't pay to watch them, but right? You it's, would pay to watch Shia
1: LaBeouf, especially yeah, after exactly. seeing performance that, like this. That's and, the thing, you know,
2: and I, for that, I'm willing to... Okay, I'm not trying to say I mean, I'm glorifying difficult, difficult I men. don't have to get into
1: <laughs> yeah. fist-cuff, you know, fist cuffs with Shia LaBeouf, so it's easy for us to say, yeah, I'd yeah. enjoy paying, watching that guy on screen. <laughs> but, but also, yeah. like, I...
2: I we we hardly get to see, you know. I'm not saying we don't get to see complex men being dickheads on on screen. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it's it's still different in that sense. And uh, and Shia is kind of one in you know he's different and he's able to still mark his own identity mm. in in a in a Hollywood system which flattens you out. You know, and it's true. I mean, everyone kind he's, of yeah. becomes you know bleeds. All he's the, holding on. All, all the Chrises have kind of you know merge into one another by this point I right think, you know
0: yeah, I'd, I'd say chris pine is still stand up but
1: <laughs> really i I, I, I like chris pine but yeah i i agree he's holding on to um his uniqueness um i i think it's interesting how this whole project came together because we were talking before about like his his image but it wasn't designed as a work of of pr it was meant to be a, a personal thing just for his therapist that he shared with a friend if it weren't for her saying we need to make this as a movie and I want you to play his dad, we would never ha- have this.
2: Yeah, and I, and I think that shows it. It, it wasn't like the starting point It doesn't point feel is, like it comes honest. from a place of ego. Exactly, it, it wasn't designed. It never, never started out to be. I'm writing a film,
1: and it doesn't come from a place of like. Look at it. Doesn't feel like it is. Look at how broken I am. You should oh, yeah. feel sorry it, for it, me. It, 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 it not It's not self pity. It's, it's not no, self pity. It feels yeah. just genuine.
2: Which is I, which is why I guess you know, like you said. The moments when the film is trying to be a film are the moments that don't work. Yeah, when it
1: when it's too structured. Yeah. That's Honey Boy it's in we, cinemas it's now. it's In cinemas
0: now, we really liked it. Yeah, he's had a long career. I remember him in Freaks and Geeks, um, Eagle Eye, which hasn't aged well but was underrated. The Company You Keep, I'd say the same thing for, but obviously of a very different nature. E- even he's made yeah. a lot of good films that even Transformers he was, he was and Money really Never yeah. an Sleep. Nymphomaniac Nymphoma- mean, people, Oh yeah, he was actually. Pe- pe- people forget
1: that Borg vs McEnroe. Great. Oh yeah. Where, <laughs> where he that was such a uh, blur of the lines between the character and the actor role. It's like and, who can uh, play McEnroe and, and like another uh, guy par- known big apparent- angry yeah. rants.
2: Apparently, John McEnroe saw the film and he was like, that's spot on. Apparently, that's exactly who my internal ticks are like. So. Interesting. Yeah.
0: So to continue the big news of the week, film news and otherwise, COVID-19, there are increased concerns uh, about pathogen around the world. Certainly, uh, to recap, again, in this past week, we saw South by Southwest cancelled uh, festivals in Saudi and Qatar and No Time to Die being delayed by several months. Glenn um, called it last week. I said it wouldn't happen. I was wrong. I'm, and we're seeing more and more prospective releases being shot. Milan though, it looks like it's going ahead. I doubt it. I, I mean, thought the world premiere is happening right now. Wow. Can we just appreciate... For, 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 what? I, th- I thought the world premiere of was No gonna, Time to Die. No, 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 no for no, Mulan. No, Mulan.
1: Oh, Mulan. Mulan. Okay, you're right. Mulan is going ahead. Yeah, yeah but wow. can,
0: can
2: we just appreciate the irony that a Bond film titled No Time to Die yeah. was delayed because people are afraid of dying... Yeah. yeah. Mulan <laughs> and, 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 sorry, and
0: this is true speculation. We talked about this affair, but it may look given the broad nature of James Bond plots, it may very well be of a nature that they think it could not be appropriate or have aspects they may not consider appropriate in the current environment. I wonder,
1: I know, or I want, because the composer changed so late in the game, I wonder if the m- movie maybe could use a couple extra months of post-production well, and they think this is a perfect years. opportunity. Well, so, well, but they, they just take forever to make these Bond films. Well, uh, but apparently, well, if, if, it is,
2: if uh, Rami Malek's character is based on the original Doctor No. who was was a bioterrorist. Who was a bioterrorist, remember? It it could just be
1: something that they don't feel comfortable putting out. And
2: if this involves some kind of bioterrorism, then yeah, it's too real.
1: It's so strange that Mulan's going ahead, because as we discussed last week, that film was designed mostly for the Chinese box office, and now they're sacrificing that. It's possible they'll try to release it it, later in the year, but it'll be on video already. Disney push for fast video releases. So it'll be on the Piracy internet. Piracy is rampant. Piracy but, is rampant in China and everywhere.
2: But even then, I mean, what they've done with Milan and, you know, splitting the love interest in two characters, I, d- I don't know. I don't it's know.
1: for the Chinese market. I don't
2: know. Yeah,
1: um, yeah fine. Yeah, Cannes <laughs> Film Festival
0: are still adamant that they'll go ahead, but it's getting hard for me to believe. Yeah, the city of Austin declared a state of emergency and Khan could. the city of Cannes could just as well do the I same. Mean, it, Italy, the city of Cannes already has Italy a, a contagion lockdown. of... of Coronavirus going out. Yeah, Italy is in
1: lockdown. Yeah, mission so.
0: Impossible we mentioned earlier has been delayed. Um, obviously, there's only uh, you have to. St- it's a emergency access outside the country, in or out. Um, yeah, and there's very serious concerns. It's the highest hit country in Europe. I want at, I, at the time of recording.
1: Yeah, um, and it, it's easy to imagine. Again, this is just speculation, and it's a serious issue. I, I, I don't mean to talk about it lightly, but yeah, it's easy to imagine something like this could happen in France at at any point. Right, the, the explosion on the level of what we saw in Italy. Not saying that's going to happen or even that it's likely to happen, but it's not inconceivable. It's a neighboring country. Well, they've, uh,
2: they're speculating cancelling the French Open, Roland Garris as well, and right. Federer
1: has taken a break to have his knee surgery. There are so. a bunch of
0: sports games that are going ahead with absolutely no crowd attendance. Right. Um, yeah, 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 behind closed
1: doors. Going back to Khan, the thing is, if they run it, who will come? Will uh, distributors, sales agents be afraid to turn up?
0: Well, this is what I um, alluded to earlier. What I'm very curious about. Uh, we talked last week broadly about the end of online streaming and distributors going to that model. But this will test the um, whether we how much we need these sorts of practical film markets where everyone goes and sees the film and mingles and networks. Certainly, there will always be a place for this. But in a modern age where it's so we're so digital heavy. Um, film distributors might have to, in the current environment, look to more immediate sources of distribution. And this could have a very real tangible impact going forward on the festival markets and how they operate and how, again, we're speculating, but how relevant they could be perceived or in practice. Yeah, Um,
1: Khan Khan is besieged from all sides these days with people saying it's irrelevant. I think after winning Parasite... Sorry, after Parasite's big win, I think Khan have a feather in their cap, and they really want to go ahead because, yeah, you you don't want to risk a year that it doesn't go ahead, and people think, oh, so we didn't need Khan
0: after all. Yeah, I mean, it has uh, has been cancelled in 52 years. I
2: I, I also do want to point out the other big news, which just recently happened: Uh, Mohammad Rasulov, the Iranian director, has been jailed. Oh shit! The one who won? I didn't hear. uh, Yes, so he won uh, for in certain regard in Khan for man of integrity. And yeah, uh, for two years, for his latest film, which is about uh, the death penalty in Iran, oh, man. which which wow. won uh, at the Berlinale, so.
1: Uh, and I've after I've that only coverage, seen Man of Integrity in Iron Island, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, really and good. he's
2: fantastic. So he's joining the, I, I think, the ranks of the greatest Iranian directors, from Panahi to now everyone else. So it's, yeah, he ha- was able to evade prob- prob- it because
1: pro- he was too famous, <laughs> and, and he eventually had to move but to yeah, making but, films but, outside of but Iran. But the
2: actu- his uh, sentence was announced after he won, so it's actually after he got publicity. So to basically get the film from getting more wide distribution, but I'm pretty sure. It's called, I think, The Field Guide to Evil. Right. And it won at And I think it's because of that after that. I'm pretty the, sure they it's going to no get more, more more distribution now because it deserves it. Man, from what it, I'm it's, it's like
1: if only he was jailed a few weeks ago so he could have been <laughs> released due to the coronavirus <laughs> concerns. Yeah, uh,
0: the report right. is that they're releasing prisoners who have sentences under five years. I may be incorrect in that, but the, I think I, it's a report. Yeah, yeah so I read so that he's, as well. he's got
2: sentenced for, uh, for two years, so maybe he might be released. So Fingers it's crossed.
1: Not, Man, that that's terrible.
0: But yeah,
2: so... Well, um, it's
0: very bad. It's
1: very...
2: Well, very another bad. good Iranian film to fighting
0: Iranian directors. It's yeah. amazing what they put on the line. And keep on producing those incredible films, which deservely win awards around the world year mm. after year. Yep. So we'll be back next week talking about A Quiet Place, Osa with Noah Jupe. Is that his name, Noah Jupe? Yeah, yes, that's right. Yes, the first one, so it's a Noah Joop theme couple of weeks. He's such a great actor, by the way. He was
1: incredible in, um, in Honey Boy. Okay.
0: And he's been in... He's been. Qu- he's had quite a good run. He's been in quite a few. So we will be covering that next week. Let us know what you want us to fight about. And yep, I'm glad you're listening. And stay safe. Have a wonderful yeah, one thank of your you. listening. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate yeah. it.
1: Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. As we, as we, you know
0: we know you can't see us, but that's how we're doing it right now. I have a beard, and it's just impossible not to every now and again stroke your beard if yeah. you have a beard. But so it's like, should I shave it off to protect
1: myself yeah. from coronavirus?
0: But what, Whatever no? Chris is like about to say something, he just sits there, strokes his beard, and then like launches into it. <laughs> yeah, right. So also, this is this also, is a change, Chris. This is a big change. <laughs> also,
2: also, you know, just go easy in the toilet pit, but please just it's okay. oh, save some for the rest
0: of us. Yeah, that. Um, Wow, Australia, all, of all the things. In- of all meetings. the things,
2: yeah. <laughs> Invest in a bidet, do something, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, <On> that, <laughs> on Bid- that day. A <laughs> it's a bidet. <laughs> it's a bidet. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. bidet. Good day, everyone. good day. Good day. Good day, yeah. good day yeah. everyone. Good night.